Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Last week, for our sermon text, we read from James chapter 2. And in James chapter 2, one of the things that James reminds us is how we should not play favorites. He warns against if a rich man, well-dressed, comes into the church and everyone's his friend and gives him the best seat, and at the same time, uh, someone poor in, in rags comes in and everyone ignores him and makes him stand or sit in the worst seat, and he warns about how wrong and sinful that is. Now, that might seem like a small thing, uh, where you sit in the church or how well you're accepted. But consider for a moment if you're that poor person. If you've had trouble finding a job, not because you're not a good worker, but just because of the way you look or because you don't have the money to find a job. It was pretty common in India, actually, that jobs went to the person who could pay the employer. The employer figured, I got a job to give. You pay me enough money and I'll give you the job, which would be very frustrating, obviously, for somebody who doesn't have any money and then they can't get a job because they don't have any money. Or imagine that you were discriminated against because of the way you dress or the way you look. Or you can't get justice in the courts because you can't pay for the lawyer that you need. Imagine you've been dealing with that your whole life and then you come into the church, you come to Jesus, and you find the same attitude. That the rich men are treated well and the poor are discriminated against. I hope that's not a problem here. I don't have any reason to believe it's a problem here. I think you guys know Jesus better than that. But the point is that James makes a big deal out of it because there's a bigger issue at stake, the bigger issue of the injustice that we find in this world and how sad it is if that makes it even a little bit into the church. Well, that's where our psalm for this morning comes in. Our psalm for this morning talks about this same injustice, and it says, it tells us, don't put your trust in princes. They're going to let you down. If you think that you're going to always find justice and fairness in the governments of this world, you're going to be disappointed. This world is full of injustice. But instead of bemoaning the fact, instead of crying out how unfair the world is and being depressed about it. Instead, our psalmist sings praises that the Lord is not like that. And he rejoices in looking forward to the time of renewal, the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, who will renew all things, fix that which is broken in ourselves and in society, bring justice to the oppressed. Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to this earth, and that day his plans perish. But happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, 
who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the stranger. He relieves the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. In the Greek Septuagint, which is the Jewish translation of the Old Testament into the Greek, it was translated before the time of Christ. In the Greek Septuagint, this psalm has a heading over it which says a hallelujah. Hallelujah means praise Jehovah, a song of praise to Jehovah. A song of praise to Jehovah from Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai and Zechariah were the prophets whom God sent to his people Judah after the return from Babylon. Some of you may remember how the people of Judah were taken captive into Babylon and they were scattered. They had been taken out of their land and scattered throughout the Babylonian Empire. They had to live in exile there for 70 years. And then after 70 years, the king of Persia, Cyrus, gave the decree that they could return to their land. They returned to the land and they tried to rebuild their nation, but very quickly the task was too much, too daunting. And they partially gave up. And that's what God sent the prophets Haggai and Zechariah with a rather simple message for his people. Stand fast. Stand firm. Don't give up. The Lord is coming. The Lord who will renew all things. This psalm fits perfectly with that time of rebuilding the nation. Haggai and Zechariah, along with the, the kings, Rubabel, were the leaders uh, attempting uh, not just to rebuild a temple, but to rebuild a people. To unite again those who were scattered. To, to rebuild a nation and to do it in such a way that it would be good and just and fair. It's a daunting task. It's a daunting task our, we know that our forefathers faced, right? How do you... Begin a new nation. How do you build laws that are not only going to be just and fair, but are going to remain just and fair far into the future? Haggai and Zechariah remind the people in this psalm, don't trust in princes. Don't trust in your leaders. Don't even trust in us, they're saying. This task is too great. We're trying our best. But look forward. Look forward, hope. Put your trust, your real trust, your faith in the coming of the Messiah, the one who will renew all things. The wording of this psalm is very messianic. It's very much looking forward to the coming of Christ. Notice verses 7 and 8 especially. Who executes justice for the oppressed. Who gives food to the hungry. Freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. 
This is messianic language. It's, it's language used throughout the Old Testament as a description of the time of renewal, the time of Christ's coming. If you had a chance to read the pre-service devotion, you would have seen the same language in Isaiah prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. And again, also in Isaiah 60, one of those wonderful songs of, of the servant. The Lord, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This renewal, this healing of brokenness, this bringing of justice is something that only Christ can do. This is a sign of Christ's coming because it doesn't happen without him. And you remember what Jesus said to John the Baptist when, when John sent messengers saying, are you the one we've been waiting for? And Jesus sent the reply back, go, go and tell John what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. This is language sign of the coming of the Messiah. And Haggai and Zechariah, in the midst of that difficult task of trying to, to rebuild the people, discouraged by the, the dauntingness and the hugeness of that task, knowing that no matter how hard they try, they as sinners would fail and the nation would someday fail as well, point the people ahead. Do your best, yes, do your best, but Wait, put your hope, your trust, rejoice in the promises of the Lord and the coming of, of the Messiah who will renew all things. We also look forward to hope to that time of renewal, that coming of Christ. We know the brokenness of this world, the injustice that occurs far too frequently, and the brokenness that is in ourselves because of our own sin and failing. What are we going to do about it? Look forward with hope to the renewal. The coming of the one, Psalm 40, 146 tells us, the coming of the one who made heaven and earth, verse 6, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Jesus alone is able to renew all things because he is the one who created it to begin with. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, tells us that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. In the Hebrew, that, that picture of the Spirit hovering is a picture of life-giving. The, the hovering, the Spirit, is the wind, the breath, that, that gives life to the earth. God is hovering over the earth to, to make it bring forth and bud. And then that hovering of the spirit, that wind, appears repeatedly throughout the scripture. We have the vision of Ezekiel who preached to the dry bones. And what happened? The spirit came in the wind and gave life to the bones, brought back that which was dead to life. And then Pentecost, again, the disciples were preaching the word and it was filled with the sound of a great wind. The Spirit came giving life to that church. There was only a handful of disciples preaching God's word and by the end of the day there was over 3,000. Because the Spirit brought renewal. The Spirit brought life. 
He is the one who made heaven and earth, the psalmist says. He is the one who alone can fix what is broken, can bring renewal to that which is hurt and unjust, can give the forgiveness of sins and bring life again to this earth. That's the point of this psalm. That's the heart of this psalm. It's not just an empty, praise God, praise God, praise God, is it? But there's a very deep, very personal, very wonderful reason to praise the Lord. Because he brings renewal. He brings a fixing of that which is, that which is broken. If you put your trust in princes, if you put your trust in, in governments, in, in presidents, in judges, in governors... No matter how good they are, they're going to let you down. They're going to fail. They're sinners like us. That's going to lead to depression. But happy is the one who puts their trust in the Lord. We hope that our earthly government does the right thing, but we put our trust in God and we wait for his salvation, don't we? We don't need this psalm, we don't need any word of God to remind us that we can't always trust our earthly leaders. Most of us learn at a pretty early age that this world is unfair and unjust. Some of us have personal experience with just how much our judges or others can, can fail us and leave us hurting and sad. We don't need this psalm or any word of God to remind us of the brokenness of this world and that other people are going to disappoint us, but we, we do need the reminder to wait on the Lord. We do need the reminder of how we ought to react to that disappointment. Rebel? Set up a new government? Well, that's just putting our trust in another prince, another system, another government, which will fail us again. Instead, the psalmist says, wait for the Lord. Rejoice in him. Know that the one is coming who will give justice to those who have been oppressed, who will give healing to those who are lame or blind, and will give forgiveness to those who are broken in their own sin. Psalm 146, verse 8. The Lord loves the righteous. Who is, who is this? Who are these righteous ones whom the Lord loves? The Bible is clear that the righteous are not those who always do what is right. The righteous are those who have been covered by the blood of Christ and forgiven through his death. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The psalm is for us. Whether we're, whether we're broken because of the way the world treats us, or whether we're broken because of our own sin, or most likely both, the psalm is for us. The Lord loves us, sinners though we are, and gives us his righteousness. He watches over the stranger and the fatherless and the widow. Those, those ones who are most likely to be forgotten, to be passed over by our society and left suffering. The Lord says, I am their watcher and their keeper. Remember in Genesis chapter 4, God appeared to Cain and he says, where is your brother Abel? 
And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? That's the same word here. Is it my job to watch out for my brother, says Cain? And all too often, us sinners that we are have the same attitude. Am I their watcher? Am I their keeper? God says, I will be their watcher. I will keep them. I will strengthen them. And I will bring them justice. Maybe not right away. That time of renewal is yet to come. and Sometimes we wait a while for it. But God's promises never fail. That's what Jesus came to do to fix that which is broken. Haggai and Zechariah knew that the nation they were building would not last. It would not always be fair and just. But they still rejoiced. They rejoiced looking forward to the promise of the Lord. The time when he would come and renew all things. When he would bring justice to the oppressed and salvation to the sinner. Amen.